Let's go to the Lord again in prayer. God, as we now turn to the preaching of your word, I pray that your spirit will open our eyes to your truth. Lord, take your truth and plant it deep down into our hearts and help us to see the glory and the joy of your amazing grace. Lord, I pray that you will help each person here to see, to savor, to treasure, and to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. God, I pray that they will not try and do it under their own effort, but through your spirit, you will do an awesome work within each one of us, causing us to be born again to the living hope of our Savior. Lord, we do pray for the other gospel-centered churches in our area. We pray for faithful preachers who will bring forth your word, all of your word, the whole counsel of God to your people, and may they be strengthened. Lord, I pray that your good news will go forth, not only from the pulpit into your people, but throughout our community, that we will share the good news of Jesus Christ, and we will see the glory and the joy. Lord, I ask that you will... Help us now. Remove all the distractions. Remove everything of this past week. Lord, we come weary. Lord, as a person needing food, so our soul needs to be nourished with the truth of your word. Lord, we pray that you will do a wondrous work this morning. In your name, amen. There are... Many joys to be had in this world. The Ecclesiastes writer says that God has made everything beautiful in its time. There's the joy of youth. We can look around this morning and see youth and see the joy of youth, which then leads to the joy of being an adult. And living out what you dream of in childhood. There's joy in celebrating the goodness of family and friends. Which many are doing today and over the next week with the holidays. There's joy in simple days. After a crazy week and you get a chance to just have a, a, a time with yourself in God's word. And just the simpleness of that. There's joy in that. And there's joy in special days. The special occasions that come up throughout the year that we get to celebrate and look forward to. Many joys. Yet every joy in this life has an ending. None of them last. Even the good, the ones that really touch us, these joys They don't last. What fills us with joy in one minute, it fades and it slips away in the next. Nothing that makes us happy and joyful in life seems to be permanent. And trying to understand this and reflect on life, the same Ecclesiastes writer says God put eternity into man's heart. Yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. 
God allows the frustrations and troubles of life to show that only He satisfies. Only He has the answers to life. Only He brings true meaning and the perpetual, unending joy to life. The joys we experience, though, are not a waste of time. The other joys, they're not a waste of time. They're intended, though, to point us to the never-ending joy of God. This is part of His plan. This great divine plan of God that was put in motion long before any of us ever existed, long before the foundation of this world, we learn that God's plan encompassed a temporary veiling of His glory so that His grace will be on full display in the coming of the Messiah. And then we learn the Messiah is the eternally existent Son of God and is fully man incarnate, fulfilling God's plan of redemption and grace-filling glory. Last week we saw the long waiting in faith brings reward of receiving Christ and with Him the salvation and the relationship with God that He brings. Now this morning, just a few days away from Christmas, we're looking at the goal of God's plan. The culmination of our joy and the glory of God's grace. Where the completed work of our salvation and the great comfort and assurance and fulfillment of our lives. It is a joy that is a passion. It's a fervent desire that grows and intensifies in the sweetness of enjoying Christ. It should not surprise you that I'm speaking of joy during Christmas. The word joy is common in Christmas decorations. We see it everywhere, don't we? We see it in tree ornaments. It's written on banners. It's on stands. It's on lighted displays. Joy seems to be the description of Christmas. But how many of us truly understand this joy? What is meant by Christmas joy? This isn't just any joy in life, like what the Ecclesiastes writer is speaking of. This is a different joy. This is a joy that never leaves. It's a joy that we get to look forward to and have more of in eternity. It's one that only Christians truly understand and genuinely have. It's a joy not just celebrated on a holiday, but found in a person, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Joy in Christmas is joy in Christ. Let me say that again. Joy in Christmas is joy in Christ. And it's His joy that becomes our joy. And this joy in Christ is what Advent, this time of preparation that we've had all month, it's been leading us to this, having His joy. In the middle of this holiday, we can easily get distracted. And in life, we have struggles and we have sin and our own temptations 
that can sway us. We shift our eyes to joys that seem fleeting and that won't last. You see, you and I, you and I have a problem. We tend to focus way too much on the temporary joys in life. We tend to focus on joys that are not intended to last. We put so much emphasis on these temporary joys, we expect them to do for us what they cannot do. And these joys that have an expiration on them They're crushed under the weight of our expectations. And we're left empty, searching, burdened with sin and shame, and our hearts deceive us, and we wander. And every year, every year, we're given this gift of Christmas and the Advent season. Every year, this wonderful time of Christmas, of Advent, realigns us to the truth. It reorients us and turns our eyes back on the only joy that lasts. It's joy that the angels described as great joy. Not just another joy, An eternal joy. The angels say a great joy. Do you want to have joy that will end? Or do you want great joy that will never end? At the announcement of the birth of our Savior, the angels who had the glory of the Lord shining around them appear to the shepherds in the field and say, I bring you good news of great joy. And then the angels sing, glory to God in the highest. And when the wise men beheld the Christ child with their own eyes, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And then they worshipped Him, giving their gifts to Him. And they're not alone. They're not alone. This great joy is for all people on whom God's favor rests, on whom He's pleased. That's what it says right there in the birth of our Savior. With whom God is pleased. And we know that we can only please God through faith. That's what the Hebrew writer says. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. This joy that came into the world when God took on flesh is given to all who received Him and put their faith in the Son, who is the radiance of the glory of God. This joy is unlike any other. It's unlike any other joy. Jesus describes it Himself in John's Gospel as His joy being fulfilled in His followers by them seeing His glory. This joy of Jesus is seeing the glory of God. That same joy is given to us. And then he goes on to say, In seeing His glory, His people receive the same love that the Father has for the Son. It's an eternal love that goes further and deeper than anything 
imaginable. This glory of God that was shining all around the angels, glory to God in the highest, has this love that goes deeper and further than anything else in this world. And he says, it's my joy, and I'm giving you this joy. Jesus gives his people eyes to see his glory and hearts to receive his love. And this is what makes us so full of joy. God's great glory and love is given to those who receive the Son as their Messiah, as their Lord and Savior, by repenting of their sin and putting their trust in Jesus Christ. They do that and they have everlasting joy. And it gets better. That's not it. Peter, writing to Gentile believers in Jesus Christ, they're exiles. They're strangers in the land. They've been dispersed in areas where they're marginalized. They're cast out of what's accepted. They're living in a culture that's hostile to their faith. Does that sound familiar? They're living in a culture that was hostile to their faith. Peter tells them in their belief there is rejoicing with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. The joy that believers have in Christ is inexpressible. It goes beyond description. There are no words to capture this joy that he gives us. A joy so wonderful, it's impossible to truly express it with words. It goes deep into the soul. It overflows to other people. And it rises to the heights of heaven. This joy that we celebrate in just a few days fills our lives in the present, regardless of whatever we face. Because of Christ's birth, it's a future hope that we're given. It assured salvation that ushers in eternal love and joy in God's glory. God is saving us in Christ Jesus, and we will see him in that glory, and we will never be removed from his love. That's real joy. My hope is that in this Advent series, you haven't only come to know that this is God's divine plan, but that your love for Christ and your joy in Him grow. The person of Jesus Christ in His great work of salvation that began in a manger and it was finished on a cross becomes for you a love that you increasingly rejoice in, that you celebrate and you put all your hope and your trust in. Peter tells us why this joy is in believers. Look with me again, beginning in verse 8. Peter tells us why. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Peter gives us four reasons for this joy. Four reasons to remember. Believers love Christ. They believe in Him. 
They rejoice in Him and they're receiving salvation of their souls. How does loving Jesus Christ give the believer inexpressible joy? How does loving our Lord and Savior give us this inexpressible, this unspeakable joy? What does Peter mean by this? The believers Peter's writing to, they have faced some real struggles. Life as a Christian has not been easy. Yet they're in their sufferings, They haven't become cynical. They haven't become miserable. They are filled with a love for Christ. How can this be? How is Jesus so precious and beautiful to them? They want more of Jesus. Look at verse 3, and we're given insight to this. Verse 3 gives us this reason why. Please look with me. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God has given new life to the Christian. A new life that's free of guilt and shame. A life full of promise and hope This is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In the midst of such trials, so much suffering that they experience, these followers of Jesus Christ can face life however it is, whatever is in this life, because Jesus has given them something of more value, himself. He's given them himself. And in Christ is living hope. Living hope. This hope, it's more than relying on our circumstances getting better. These Christians are relying on the promise of hope regardless of their circumstances. God in His mercy makes Christians new with a life that's now eternal. These circumstances that Christians face, these are temporary in this life. Down in verse 23, Peter says, Being born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed. Their circumstances will change. Maybe now, maybe much later. But this new life in Christ goes on forever. This living hope of Christ, it springs up in our hearts when we're given new life. God does a miracle to a person when they receive the good news of Jesus Christ. Our God is a miracle-working God, but not a miracle worker like prosperity teachers want you to believe. Not making this temporary life better. It's so much greater than that. So much greater than that. God gives a new everlasting life that is full of His grace and His peace. Peter says up in verse 2, it's multiplied. 
This peace and this grace that God gives, it's multiplied, which means it's more and more and more given to the Christian. More peace, more grace forever and ever. Our God's eternal. He never runs out of this grace and this peace. You just keep getting more and more and more of it. He gives new life with a new heart that has a new purpose, a new outlook on life. One that's all about Christ. And this new life full of living hope with grace and peace multiplied is assured because Jesus Christ himself was resurrected from the dead. It's through his resurrection, which was the mission of his incarnation, This was the mission of the Christ child being born in a manger. His mission was accomplished so that new life can be given to you and to me. This was the goal of the divine plan. To give His people living hope through the saving sacrifice of His Son. God says He loves us even though we don't deserve it. He sent His Son to die in our place so we will be born again and have Christ forever. The joy of being given this hope, it never stops. It keeps going. It's eternal hope. And it's based on the foundation of God's love for the Christian. This is why Christians love Jesus. And this is why we're characterized as a people with joy. Because what we have now is eternal. Because our Lord and Savior is eternal. Not only do Christians love Christ, they believe in Him. Our love for Him is based on belief. What's the foundation of this belief? If you think it's you, you're mistaken. If you think it's what you have figured out, you're wrong. What's the foundation of this belief? How does this belief lead to lasting joy? Well, first, let's say that belief, let's define it. Belief is trusting what God says is true. It's trusting what God says is true. It's it's not a hoping for the best, hoping that things get better. It's having the assurance that God is faithful to his promises. What he says he will do, he will do. Followers of Jesus Christ believe that what he is now, both spiritually and physically, someday we will also. What our Savior is now, both spiritually and physically, we have right now spiritually, and someday we'll have physically. We are born again to the newness of life. Our souls are alive. Even though our outer selves are wasting away, we are being renewed by God's grace day by day. And one day he will return and he will give us glorified bodies like his. And this belief is not generated through willpower. We don't muster up our own strength and determine to believe. It's God's doing. 
Turn back with me again to verses 4 and 5. This will help us understand how belief is given by God and kept for us by Him. God has caused us to be born again to an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, what? Kept in heaven, not by you, for you. It's kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Belief happens by God's power. God causes us to be born again with an inheritance that's imperishable, it's undefiled, it's never fading, it's kept in heaven, and He uses faith as a means to make it happen. This saving faith that God gives is described here as not having seen him. Faith is believing and loving Jesus whom we have not seen, whose death on the cross we did not see, whose resurrection we did not witness. Inherent to saving faith is believing in what you have not seen, but it's not a blind faith at all. It is not just a wishful thinking or what's called a blind faith. No, it is not seen with our eyes, but it's a confidence in our hearts because it's been tested. (coughs) Verse 7 says, the tested genuineness of your faith. More precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found in result in praise, in glory, in honor, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is a faith that's proven. Every Christian is not a Christian because of some blind faith. It's a faith given by God, a gift by God, and then it's proven. And it's not proven to God. He doesn't need proven. He's given you the faith. This is a faith that's proven to you, to you. You need to have that proof, holding on to Christ, trusting in what he says. It's a faith that is proven to yourself so that you will have the confidence in what you believe, that you will rest in Christ alone. And this proven faith shows itself to be far more valuable than the riches in this world, more precious than gold. God proves himself faithful time and time again. Those who truly believe continue in their faith, trusting him when trials come, when the way seems unsure. Followers of Christ love him. They believe in him. They rejoice in him. God's promises by His grace to give Christians a new life full of hope, born again because He loves them, brings them to an internal inheritance that will never perish, never fade, or get corrupted. It's protected forever. A reward undeserved, yet given in love, and kept forever by a God whose power is unmatched. This is why we rejoice. God's people rejoice no matter the circumstances because nothing can take this away from us. Nothing can take away this new life in Christ. Nothing. 
This rejoicing is more than a good feeling. This rejoicing is more than than having a good day or having things work out. It's a feeling in your heart that's full of thankfulness for what Christ has done. It's a tasting now of that anticipated reward in heaven. It's being happy knowing that God is keeping you, that you're kept by this God who has unmatched power because He loves you. But this doesn't fully describe it. One Bible scholar says, not even a thousand ironclad tongues can say, can sound out the sweetness of the heavenly blessings. Not even a thousand ironclad tongues can sound out the sweetness of the heavenly blessings. It is filled with God's glory that we've only begun to understand. We only have understanding in the experiences in this life this finite, temporary life whose God is glory. His glory goes on forever. It's eternal. We're going to be in heaven forever learning more about God and His glory and worshiping Him forever. In the next, His glory will be everywhere all the time. Through this God-given faith from an eternal love that causes us to love Him, Christians rejoice Because they're receiving salvation of their souls. This is the outcome of faith. The completion of God's saving work. Now Peter's not talking just about this inner part of us. Souls here means the whole person. The entire person. The essence of who you are. Now in one sense, Christians already enjoy this, don't we? In one sense, we already have this. We have the result of our faith. Christ has already fulfilled his mission to rescue us from sin and death. He's made us a new covenant that's kept by his blood, not by us, but by him. He powerfully moves into our lives and writes his will on our hearts and makes us willing from the inside to love him, trust him, and rejoice in him. We who believe have obtained salvation from the guilt of our sin. The inheritance is promised to us, and God is faithful. This is going to happen. But there's an already not yet to salvation. We have this salvation that frees us from the guilt and the shame. We're given new hearts. We're saved from judgment. But there's still sin within, isn't there? There's still sin that we battle with. We need cleansed from it. Christ is accomplishing this for us by sending His Spirit to make us holy. By the Spirit, we are being saved now from the power of sin. And one day we'll be saved from the presence of sin. Christians love Christ. They believe in Him. They're receiving salvation of their souls, which produces this inexpressible joy filled with glory, even though we've never seen Him. Christians don't see Him now, but the outcome of their faith is the salvation of their souls. The outcome of their faith is a sight like we've never seen before. In just a few short days, it's Christmas. 
That means the celebration of the divine plan that was completed so you will have joy too wonderful to describe and experience glory in the fullest and the brightest display of God's glory given through Jesus Christ. His birth led to the sacrifice on the cross and then His resurrection so you will be born again. By grace giving you faith and promise of future reward with Him. Though you do not now see Him in faith, yours is an eternal hope with a joy that is unspeakably, indescribably great. God's plan to bring you to Himself, to give you this immense joy with Him that never fades, is why we have faith in Jesus Christ. God saves us through His Son. This temporary veiling of His glory so that His Son would come in the likeness of man to live this life you and I never could, to then die on the cross that you and I should so that we can have this new life, this living hope. Not only have we received the forgiveness of sin, we're filled with unspeakable joy that causes us to praise and to honor our Savior and Lord. Nowhere else will you hear of such grace. Nowhere else is there such love freely given to you. Eternity is given to all who are born again to the living hope in Christ. Oh, that your faith in Christ would be precious to you. More than gold. Receive Christ and have His joy. Let's pray.